You are Locked On Horn Frogs. Your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Horn Frogs, your daily TCU podcast. Glad to have you with me. It is uh, Thursday, January 14th. Appreciate you listening to the show. I'm Stephen Simcox. Your host, and in this episode, we're going to talk some football in this first segment. Actually, we'll sort of talk some football in the first couple segments. One is a draft note uh, more related to the future of a TCU player and this current team, and then we'll close out with some basketball talk. Tough day for men's basketball yesterday, and uh, I know I went hard on Jamie Dixon and the team. So after having a day to think about it, I want to circle back and not really take back anything I said, but um, just a different perspective maybe 24 hours after the fact um want to start though with a coaching note it appears uh kenny hill who former tcu quarterback also uh former a&m quarterback and has been in um on the tcu coaching staff for the last few years as a grad assistant and then as an analyst um according to his twitter bio uh, and Jeff Mitchell and Jeremy Clark um, pointed this out. He has changed his bio on Twitter, and it says that he is the TCU quarterbacks coach. Um, and the report is, according to Jeremy Clark and Drew Davidson, they're still finalizing some paperwork. They're working some things out with the contract. But it appears all signs are a go that he's going to end up being TCU's QB coach. Um, this had kind of been hinted on or hinted at on Hornfrog Blitz for the past couple of weeks, so I'm not surprised. Um, and I think this is good. I really like Kenny Hill. Uh, funny enough, I feel like he was greatly underappreciated as a quarterback. You know, he, he followed Trayvon Boykin, who, I mean, I think you're splitting hairs between Boykin and Dalton, but was one of the two or three best quarterbacks to ever come through the program. It was a dynamic game-changing type player, and Kenny wasn't really that guy. He was more of a game manager, uh, but I think especially his senior year at TCU, um, he did exactly what they asked him to do. He rarely turned the ball over. He, he cut down on his turnovers a lot. He made accurate throws. Um, you know, they mainly kept it short passes, quick passes, and he was able to do that at an effective rate. But uh, – He's turned into a good coach. He's young. He relates to the players well. And I know there's some frustration with Gary Patterson's commitment to continuity. I mean, he really does. If there's a staff opening, he likes to promote people. He likes to reassign people, kind of shuffle things around. But it is almost always in-house. And this is another example. I mean, Kenny Hill had been on the staff for a little while. He's played on this team. He's really been a part of the program since uh, 2014, 2015 season, somewhere around there, and he's getting promoted. But, um, I mean, I don't, I don't want to dismiss the importance of a quarterback coach. I think it's a big deal. However, if you're bringing somebody in from the outside, is it going to be someone that will help in the development of your quarterbacks? Yes. Is it someone who I think is going to have a huge impact on the direction of the offense? Not from a scheme perspective. I, I just I get this sense that people want a position coach, a quarterback coach, to come in who has 
different ideas on how to run plays and run the offense. And, I mean, you already have Doug Meacham there. You already have Jerry Kill there. Anybody who comes in as a QB coach is going to work within their system and try to develop quarterbacks that fit what they're doing. So Kenny Hill already has some familiarity there. Um, you know, you see him interact with Max Duggan on the sidelines. And was Max's development what I wanted it to be this year? No, it wasn't. Honestly, um, it, it wasn't at all. But I think part of that, too, was just the weird off season with COVID-19 and everybody missed time. And then Max had the heart condition, so he missed – basically all of fall camp. Um, and I also still have questions about how healthy he is. Overall, though, I think this is a good move. Kenny is a guy that's been around this team. He's been around the players. Um, I don't really know what his acumen is as a recruiter, but I, I just I, I think a younger guy who connects well with uh, you know, high school to college age players is a plus, and he he sort of understands what they're shooting for, what they're going for. Um, so congratulations to him. And I think this offense has a chance to be really good. You know, one guy that I forgot about, and, and Jeremy Clark mentioned him the other day because somebody asked him a question, like, who do you think are going to be the top three wide receivers uh, going into next season? And I totally forgot that, like, J.D. Spielman's still on this roster. And Spielman's a transfer from Nebraska. There was a lot of excitement around him. He was doing some some special things there in the Big Ten. And then <clears throat> wasn't super effective in the limited opportunities he got. The first few games of the season got hurt and missed the rest of the year, but is going to decide to come back. So um, if you can get the offensive line figured out with the running backs that this team has, with the wide receivers and Quentin Johnston, Savion Williams, Tay Barber, J.D. Spielman, who was a number one wide receiver on a Big Ten team for a couple of seasons. I feel like this offense has a chance to be really good. A lot of it's going to hinge on this coaching staff. What are they calling? What are they looking to do? What do they think are, are the strengths of this team? And I hope that Kenny Hill has some contribution in that, has some say in, in – the development and and the growth of Max Duggan and possibly Chandler Morris as well. So, I mean, he'll have a tough test immediately because this is a a deep and talented QB room. And who's going to take the reins of that starting job? I think that's something that he's at least going to have some input in. Kenny Hill, former TCU quarterback, moving into a coaching position, new coaching position after being an analyst the past few years. He is your new quarterback's coach, on-field assistant coach. So congratulations to him. And I think he'll do a good job there. Coming up next, we'll talk some more TCU football. We'll get into basketball later on as well. Before we do that, though, let me tell you about betonline.ag. Betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. They have all the latest lines, all the latest uh, tips and tricks of the trade. They have good prop bets on there. NFL playoffs coming up quickly on Saturday and Sunday this weekend. 
you want to make some money, go to betonline.ag and you might say to yourself, I don't really want to wager money. I'm not familiar with, with this. I don't know how to go about it. Well, here, do this. Go to betonline.ag, use the promo code LOCKEDON, and they'll give you a 50% welcome bonus. Take some of the pressure off you. You don't have to uh, hit on everything. Maybe you can just sort of poke around, see what it's like, use some of that bonus, and uh, see if you can multiply it into some more money. BetOnline.ag also has just, you know, normal headlines, sports headlines. So it's a great place for news and notes as well. Again, BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Back on Locked on Horn Frogs, segment two, coming up in the next segment. We'll talk some TCU basketball. Uh, that was a tough loss for the Frogs yesterday against Oklahoma. And I ripped into the team. <laughs> Uh, pretty good uh, on yesterday's podcast. So uh, I want to circle back, talk a little bit more about, you know, what's going on, some of the adversity that this team's faced. Um, and, and we'll do that in the next segment, try to take a, a, a more full look at TCU basketball and what they've uh, what they've looked like this year and where they might be headed moving forward. But before we did that, I came across this today. Uh, Dane Brugler does a really good job covering the draft for the athletic. And I don't know how many of you guys are, are real draft geeks. Um, I, I sort of dabble in it here and there. It's not my main focus right now, but as we get closer to the NFL draft, I mean, as someone who loves college football, uh, I'm interested in who's going where and um, scouting, you know, sort of online scouting or scouting by different writers and contributors to websites has become almost like uh, its own science or its own uh, market. And, and so many people are doing it now at a high level. But Dane does a really good job for the athletic, and he covers this year round. And uh, Trayvon Merrick has declared for the NFL draft. Um, last year, TCU had multiple first-round picks. It was fun to watch. And uh, I was just curious um, if he had Trayvon in this mock draft because he seems like the most likely guy that's going to go, you know, pretty high round one, round two. And he has Merrick going at 44 to the Dallas Cowboys. And here's what he said about it. The last time the Cowboys drafted a safety in the first two rounds was when they took Roy Williams in 2002. So Merrick would go counter to the organization's drafting history, but he would give Dallas a much needed upgrade over free safety Xavier Woods. So, first of all, I mean, I'm all about this. Uh, obviously, or I don't know if you know this, but I'm a big Cowboys fan, big TCU fan. So, the idea of Trayvon Merrig staying, you know, close to campus, being down the road in Arlington and playing uh, for this organization in Dallas is fantastic. I'm all about that. Um, the fit makes sense. I mean, the Cowboys have been looking for a safety really since Roy Williams, which Brugler mentioned. You know, they've gone through just about every sort of veteran you can imagine, Barry Church, Jeff Heath, um, and then they, now they've tried some younger guys like Kevon Frazier and Xavier Woods. Donovan Wilson sort of emerged as the season went on. Um, but Merrick would be a huge pickup for this team. Now, as, as Dane said, they don't use – premium draft picks on safeties, the Cowboys that is, or they haven't in the past. Um, the Cowboys have not been known to spend free agent money on safeties. So this would sort of be uh, bucking a trend that they've been setting over the past few years. But um, I hope it happens, and I hope Trayvon has a lot of success 
I think in many ways he is uh, the perfect safety for today's NFL because he can do multiple things. Um, he can cover big tight ends. I think he can even cover, you know, some wide receivers in the slot. Uh, his ability to run and, you know, get in a back pedal, his hips are fluid. He, he's able to, to cover multiple positions um, and to have that versatility along with he can come up in the box and hit you a little bit. Uh, you know, that's a huge asset. In, in today's game, there's really two kinds of safeties. There are the guys that can fly all around the field and guard multiple positions and play center field. Um, and then there's players like Jamal Adams who are big, physical, almost like an extra linebacker on the field. And I think Merrick's a good hybrid of, of blending those things together. He can come up and run support. You know, he's not like Jamal Adams who's going to get a bunch of sacks every year, but he's someone who can uh, not be a liability in the box, but he can also guard a big physical tight end. He can guard, um, you know, as I said, a wide receiver. He can guard, you know, a running back in man-to-man coverage. So I hope this happens. I hope uh, that <laughs> – Dane is right, and I know it's really early, but just an intriguing kind of thing to watch. Trayvon Merrigan, the Cowboys, it would make some sense depending on how far he falls. And uh, Brugler did the first two rounds of the NFL draft, and Merrig was the only name that came up TCU-wise. I, I don't know what Adarius Washington's um, kind of stock is and what he's looking at right now. I know Jeff Cavanaugh. When, when Washington announced, who Jeff Cavanaugh works for the fan, um, said that at least after last year's film, he thought Washington was the best safety in this class. He hadn't di- uh, dug into this year's film yet, and I think once he watches this year's film, that'll change because Darius had sort of an up-and-down season and sort of a topsy-turvy season, but... Um, there's still time to, to rise at the draft boards. I honestly am not really sure about Merrigan, like his 40 time. I, I don't think he's going to just blow people away with it. I, I, I feel like his measurables and his athleticism are going to be good um, when they're measured, but I, I, I can't see him running like a 4-4 you know, and just putting everybody on notice with his ability to fly in the 40-yard dash. Um, it doesn't seem like they're going to have a first-round pick TCU, that is, this year. But maybe I'm wrong about that. Merrigan, Washington, I feel like the guys that are most likely to get selected. And then you have some other players. One player hasn't made a decision, TJ Storman. I think he's a guy that could land on a roster somewhere. And then Pro Wells and uh, Tay Mike, the, the two tight ends. Not sure where those guys are going to fall. Pro's got the uh, – the the build and the body to do it um just production wasn't super consistent at tcu and i think that's probably going to hurt him but uh, i thought that was interesting trayvon berg at 44 to the cowboys i hope it happens i'm going to put it down i'm going to write jerry a letter write him an email say hey uh let's get this thing done let's get some safety help there in dallas somebody to pair with donovan wilson to stand on the other side of him and make that secondary Better, and you can check out that entire mock draft in the athletic if you'd like to. Uh, coming up next, let's talk some TCU basketball. Before we do that, 
uh, let's discuss Rock Auto. Uh, you might be like me. Uh, uh, car parts might be a really overwhelming thing to you or anything, you know, fixing your car, trying to keep up with the maintenance. It might seem like a foreign language, and that's why I love rockauto.com. Um, Rock Auto is a family business, and they've been serving customers online for a number of years now. And one of the great things about it is they have all the makes and models. Um, cars, the makes and models are getting more diverse than ever now. So it's hard to find exactly what you need. And Rock Auto compares it by manufacturer, by price. You know the low prices are going to be reliable. They're going to have all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. When you go there, uh, check out that How Did You Find Us section and make sure you let them know that uh, Locked On, the Locked On Podcast Network, was how you found us. Again, that's rockauto.com. Final segment on the Lockdown Horn Frogs, and want to talk some TCU basketball a day removed from uh, what went down in Norman last night. So TCU falls to um, Oklahoma. The final score was 82 to 46. It was just an embarrassing loss. I mean, it was. <laughs> It was uh, – there's no way around it. They got absolutely shellacked. They lost by 36 points. There's no excuse for it. It can't happen. This team is too talented to let that happen. Um, they've now lost three in a row. You know, you lose games to Kansas and Baylor, and honestly, I, I think with the roster they have, it's understandable. Um, stayed with Baylor for a half. Didn't really stay with Kansas at all. And on Tuesday night against Oklahoma – I mean, at one point in the first half, they cut the OU lead down to four. And that was really the only time it felt like they had any traction in that game. Um, and that was an Oklahoma team that was missing Brady Manick, who's one of their better players, better scorers, um, a center who can step out and hit threes and uh, just changes their offense in a lot of different ways. And Austin Reeves, who during his whole career has just absolutely obliterated TCU, uh, had a really quiet game. He was not very effective. So there was an opportunity there for the Frogs to make some noise and maybe get a victory, and they could not do it. They now have a long layoff. They have eight days um, between games. They're supposed to play Saturday against West Virginia. That's not going to happen now. So a chance to sort of, uh, you know, lick your wounds, figure out what you want to do, who you want to be. Um, and they're sort of at a crossroads here. This is – a team that seems to be going downhill fast. And if you want to turn this thing around, uh, you need to do it soon. The schedule does not get any easier. They play Tech on Wednesday. Tech just handed Texas their first Big 12 loss on a big-time shot by Mac McClung. Um, and then after that, they play Texas. And then you play Kansas. I mean, it's just – it's an absolute murderer's row of a conference. And, I mean, part of that makes me – give them some grace. Like I want to give Jamie Dixon the benefit of the doubt. I know it's really difficult to win in this league. I understand that it's hard to build something. And let's be honest, when he took over, I mean, I was in college during the Trent Johnson era. I saw it up close and personal. They did not have the personnel. I mean, when Trent took over, they were going into the big 12. And when they went in the big 12, the roster he had, I mean, they were a middle of the pack mountain West team. Like, I think they had just made the CBI, which is a, a rung, the tournament, postseason tournament that's a rung below 
the NIT. It's the postseason tournament that if a Power 5 team gets invited, they usually decline it because they don't want to pay their own way to keep playing basketball. They've had such a disappointing season that they usually just say, oh, no, we're good. You guys go ahead. We'll sit this one out. So he, he walked into a really tough situation, and it never worked for Trent. He had one team that uh, went 5-13 and 13 in, in, in conference play. Trey Ziegler, who was a transfer from Pitt, funny enough, um, played pretty well, and they were able to string together a few wins, and they, they went 5-13 and 13 and won one Big 12 tournament game. Um, but that was like the highlight of the Trent Johnson era. I mean, they had a team that went 0-18 in conference play, uh, and, and they were just undermanned. I mean, just quite simply, they were undermanned. And Jamie comes in and immediately gets the team to the NIT title game, and they win it. And that was the NIT, but it felt like a big moment for TCU basketball. And then the next season, thanks to Alex Robinson and Kenrich Williams and Desmond Bain, they make the tournament as as a five, like I think a five seed. And they lose to Syracuse, which was unfortunate in the first round. So they were one and done. Um, and now you're going on what's going to be three straight years of – probably not making the NCAA tournament. I mean, barring turning things around pretty drastically here, they're in a bad position. And with the schedule the way it is over the next few games, I just I don't see them turning this thing around. So, again, I'm not calling for Jamie's job today, but, like, the progress has seemed to really stall here. Um, they had some huge roster turnover, uh, and – I just I feel like right now they have a pretty good core of players. I mean, there's at least you know three guys right now: R.J. Nemhard, Mike Miles, and Kevin Samuel, who can compete highly at a Big Twelve level. And they're not a team that should just be getting absolutely dismantled by Oklahoma, by Baylor, by Kansas, by Texas. Yeah, sure. By OU, no. And I think that Kansas loss is looking worse. Not that you lost to Kansas, but that you weren't competitive. I mean, Oklahoma State got them at home on Tuesday. And TCU was able to beat Oklahoma State. When all this is said and done, that might be one of the more head-scratching results in in league play. But it's got to start trending upward. And, you know, there's some context to this. I know that um, they missed a significant amount of preseason practice because of COVID. And that's fair. Uh, I, I know they're just now starting to get to a place where they can play five-on-five five in practice and have everybody there and everybody available. Um, but right now the biggest thing is the effort's not there. And that's the most concerning thing to me. I mean, that is a – like when when guys start getting lazy, I just feel like that means that they quit on their coach. And Jamie didn't forget how to coach overnight. But this is a problem, and if you got to decide what you want TCU basketball to be, and I think that's what you know Jeremiah Donati and, and the boosters and the powers that be have to figure out. If this is what you think this program ceiling is, then okay. If you think they're a team that can make the tournament once every three or four years, and other years are just going to be competitive, well, then maybe Jamie Dixon's your guy. But if not, then you have to start putting the pressure on him to say, hey. When is this thing going to get turned around? When is the talent going to get to a point where we feel like we are in every single Big 12 game? Might not win them all, but at least we think we have a chance when we hit the floor. And that's the thing that has to happen 
for TCU basketball. Again, they don't play this weekend, but they'll play next week. I will talk to you tomorrow, though. On Friday, I'll have another pod. Thank you for listening to Lockdown Horn Frogs podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day.